0: Did you know the Magi were not in the stable with the infant Jesus? Scripture points out they honored the Lord and worshiped him as a young child. Historical records indicate the Magi's traveled from ancient Persia and were more than likely involved in the false religion of Zoroastrianism, which engaged with a pantheon of gods. But why is this significant, and why would the Lord choose them over esteemed Hebrew priests or prophets? Additionally, astronomical software used by NASA today points to an extremely rare occurrence around the hypothesized time of Jesus' birth, which indicates the merging of Jupiter and Venus being so close together, their disks practically touched one another. This extremely rare occurrence would most certainly be picked up by the ancient astrologers or magi as we refer to them today. Join us now as we unpack this and much more in the magi, the occult, and the star of Bethlehem. Hello, everybody. My name is Mark. You're watching and listening to the Russic Outlook. Thank you so much for joining, not only today, but throughout the course of the past year. Here I sit, December 2022, we're near the end of the month, end of the year. I just wanted to look back and say thank you for so many of you who have offered such encouraging words and prayers, um, exchanging information, that revelations that you've had that I've been able to benefit from, so it's it's been awesome so I just wanted to say thank you thank you thank you um, it, it 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 just really means a lot and and I'm, and I'm grateful to share the gospel my heart is to get to the bottom line of truth the veracity of Christ the reality of scripture um, and and you know I've, I've been able to do that because of so many of you who have you know enjoyed this information and shared this information with others so Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. On that note, if you wouldn't mind, hit the like and the subscribe button. Uh, It it just helps us get the information out. YouTube, Rumble, all the podcast platforms, we're we're really trying to share the information as much as we can. So if you're not familiar with Rumble, I'll just ask you to go out and subscribe to that channel uh, because we are going to be sharing some information very shortly. As a matter of fact, next week will be the last um, production that we do uh, for for 2022. I'm going to be looking back at the year and what I think are some very specific signs and patterns that we've seen this past year that line up exactly with Scripture. I'm going to be getting into some pretty um, fine details, and I don't know that I can do that without either editing or censoring on YouTube. Uh, Where I won't be, you know, I have that freedom uh, on Rumble. So my 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 hunch is that I'm going to probably wind up putting this specifically on Rumble, and I might have to do a redacted version or an edited version on YouTube. I'm not quite sure yet, but either way, uh, I am getting to the point where I I just want to share the truth and and um, the the fact, uh, sadly, that we're at a point in this country. I'm here in America where, you know, you have to watch what, you know, what you share, uh, regardless of it's truth or not, uh, because it offends certain groups of people, and, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, it, it's just, it's, it's the way the world is going, and it's really lining up with scripture. I'm not, I'm not threatened by it. I'm not nervous about it. It just, in, in, in all honesty, it just points to the fact that Jesus is coming back soon. So, uh, let, let, let me just drop that. Oh, and also, if you wouldn't mind, go to the Russic Outlook, join our email list. We notify you of new events, new things to come. Uh, I want to get into this. The Magi, the, the, uh, the Occult, and the Star of Bethlehem. There's a lot of information, so let, help me where I want to get to it right now. So let me cut to the video. There you go. The Magi, the Occult, and the Star of Bethlehem. So let me give you a little bit of background from the Bible standpoint in terms of the heavens. Uh, Genesis 1, 14 through 15 says this, Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament and the heavens to divide the day uh, from, from night and let it be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. So he's, God's telling us right away that not only for to separate day from night, but there will be signs in the heavens that he will be orchestrating. Um, Luke 21, 25 through 26 there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexed at the, at the, uh, at the roaring and the tossing of the sea. People will faint from, from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. So, just another further example of what the Lord is saying, that, you know, there will be these signs in the heavens, and he's, you know, specifically talking about the return of Jesus in, in, in that scripture. Psalm 19, 1 through 5 says this, the heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament his handiwork, day unto day it utters speech, and night unto night it reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their their line has gone out through all the earth and the words to the end of the world. So, You know, just further amplifying the fact that the Lord has created everything, including the heavens, obviously. um, But that it declares it. um, it, You know, just an interesting note: uh, NASA scientists and and others around the world they've recorded the the vibrations and the frequencies of the heavens. And when they comb a lot of this together, they'll tell you that it sounds like an orchestra. It sounds like beautiful symphonic music. So. it just, again, it just points to, to uh, the beauty and the truth of Jesus. So I, I did want to say, I want to point out something, uh, that there are at least 100 billion galaxies that the size of our Milky Way with 100 billion stars each in them. So it's not only the Milky Way that we know, and, and you know, if you're watching this, obviously many of you, if not all of you, know this. It's uh, It shouldn't be anything quite revealing, but I'm just trying to Hone in on the magnificence of the of 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 the heavens and the stars and the earth and the sun and the moon and the star um, so forth. So, um, I want to point to another couple of uh, scriptures where uh, uh, the Lord talks about the heavens. I'm going to go back to the video here. Uh, Amos five eight says this: He made the Pleiades and the Orion. He turns the shadow of death into morning. Makes the day work as night. He calls for the waters of the sea, pours them out on the face of the earth the Lord is his name. Uh, And these are the only two constellations with a gravitational relationship, Pleiades and Orion. So again, no accident that the Lord pointed this out. Job 38, 31 through 33, the Lord is speaking to Job and he says, can now bind the the sweet influences of Pleiades or loose the bands of Orion. Uh, and, And there are bands around there. Uh, Cast bring forth Maseroth, which is the study of the constellations in Hebrew, in his season, or, or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons? Knows thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou send the dominion thereof of the earth? Job 9, 7 through 9, which commands the sun, and it rises not, and seals up the stars. Commands the sun, seals up the stars which alone spreads out the heavens and trades upon the waves of the sea, which make it Ar- Arcticus, Orion, Pleiades, and the chambers of the south. So he's he's calling upon the different constellations and names, and, and, and we'll get to this where, actually, let me go to it now. Isaiah 40, 26 says this, Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created the, these things, that brings out their hosts by number, he calls them all by names by the greatness of his might. For that he is strong in power; not one faileth. So you know, there you have it. not Not only do we have all of these different constellations and billions of stars, but the Lord has named them. So uh, you know, uh, this is not astrology. When you go to the the, the Mazaroth and the study of the stars, and and the Lord has revealed things to it. And Satan has distorted it with astrology and, you know, where you can know your future and, 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 and so forth. But I'm just pointing out right away because we're going to be talking about the star of Bethlehem and what evidence do we have and what that may or may not have looked like. And we do have evidence for that. Uh, but I wanted to first shine a light, if you will, on the glory of God and the glory of the creator of the heavens and the earth And I wanted to point out one other thing that I think is interesting because we're talking about galaxies, we're talking about stars, and because of these different galaxies that we've talked about, these billions of galaxies, they are light years away. The further away, the further the light years away. I mean, it makes sense. It's just, it's a matter of expansive matter. Um, So let me show you this on video because I think this is pretty cool. Um, well, I'm titling this as things that make you go, hmm, and I show you um, four different what they call spiral galaxy. Uh, for my podcast listeners, if, if just look up spiral galaxy on, on any of the um, search engines on, online, and, you know, you've seen this. You've seen this in the Milky Way, and it's kind of got these wisping um, spiral rings around the outside of it, and I'm showing you four different Uh, galaxies at different light years away that have all of these things. So the arms are spread out almost exactly alike. The furthest galaxies had to release their light long before the closest galaxies. Further away to the the closeness, it makes sense. It, It would have been released sooner than the ones that are closer to what we see because they're further away. But the further galaxies did not have as much time to rotate and twist their arms we should be seeing the further galaxies earlier in the cycle. Thus, the closer galaxies should have the most twist. (coughs) Excuse me. The furthest galaxies have just as much twist as the nearer ones, which implies it was all created at the same time. So, uh, just a side note, but I, 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 I wanted to share that again, it just points to the beauty of Jesus, the beauty of creation. Um, this is not planetary evolution as so many of the world would have you uh, believe in, in. You have to have so much more faith to believe in, in that than you would have in, in, in what the Lord has laid out. And it's backed up in his word. But I just, so in other words, what we see in science and what we see with these wonderful telescope, starting with the Hubble Telescope, and some of the research that's been done by not only uh, Christian scientists but many other secular scientists or um, scientists of different faiths and could be agnostics and whatnot, but people who are earnestly looking at the heavens from the realm of trying to obtain truth. And when you look at this, it defies evolution. It just it do, it doesn't work. It doesn't fit. So let me get into Scripture. We're talking about the birth of Jesus. And, and I wanted to briefly touch on the shepherds because when we know the story of Jesus or the way it's been taught over the years is talks about the shepherds and the, and, and the magi or the kings, what they call the kings. And I remember certainly I and, you know, I'm, I, I'm grateful. I, you know, when I was growing up, I had this beautiful my, my family had this beautiful arched wooden uh, um, nativity set. You know, it was made of real wood like, it, you know, it would be back then at the time. And um, my mom put hay in it, lit- you know, literally. So it looked like, you know, the manger and what would be a very shabby shack, if you will. Um, so let me let me talk about the, the, the shepherds briefly because I want to get into the magi. That's really where uh, a lot of the information that I want to share with you is at. So uh, Christ born of Mary, we're talking about Luke chapter 2 cut back to the slide, Uh, in the blue highlight. Now there were the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Uh, Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which, which will be to all people. For there is born unto you this day the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, living in a manger, and suddenly there was uh, angels with a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill to men. So here you have these shepherds in the field, and they're approached by angels, you know, warning, not warning them, but, but declaring to them do not be afraid and i'm sure you see these angels and you're going to be like and you know i'd be curious with all the sheep and the animals what they would be doing Um, and then you see this host of angelic hosts and you can imagine you know the the, the heavens have been waiting for this knowing uh jesus is coming to the earth and you know he's born so this is just a an incredible uh, celebration and even though man doesn't realize it um but, but the heavens do, and, and there are signs, not only cellular, I should say, I'm sorry, um, uh, you know, visible things that we can see from, from the heavens in terms of the stars and the moon and, and, and the planets, but also the angelic presence. Um, and so it was then when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said one to another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass. Side note, Jesus, it was prophesied in Micah that he would be born in Bethlehem. Sure enough, he is, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they, they made widely known the saying which was told to them by, uh, of this coming child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told by the shepherds. Mary kept all of these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all things that they may have heard and seen and was told of them. So picture Mary, and, and again, I'm just as this, this, my mind is, you know, kind of putting myself in their shoes. She's born, you know, she gives birth to this child. She's a virgin, Joseph, you know the, the the things that they had to go through to carry this out and to bring this forth. I'm sure there was still apprehension. I'm sure there was still doubt. I'm sure, you know, I I, I just think it's natural. I'll put it that way. And maybe their faith is so much greater than than. I'm I'm just thinking of the human condition and, and their situation. But the shepherds reveal things that the angels told them. So I, I what I'm saying here is what I believe is that this would have built up their faith you know, it says that Mary pondered these things, so it would have been built up, so side note. So now I want to get into the heart of this message, and then we're going to talk about the evidence for the Star of Bethlehem, which concerns the Magi. Um, Let me go to Matthew 2, 1 through 5. Actually, let me show you this on video, too, because there's, I have to tell you, there is so much information in these few short passages, and so I'm going to try to break it down as best I can. Uh, now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. So they came from the east saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. So Herod's trouble because the kings that are coming from the east have said, that, that, that their king is born. So he, so Herod is threatened, um, and he's threatened because of these king sayings from the east, and they have credibility, and I'll, I'll get into this in a minute. And when he had gathered all of the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said up to him, Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet Micah. Jump down to the, the, the red here in verse 7. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise, wise men, uh, um, I'm sorry, he inquired of them diligently uh, what time the star appeared. So it tells you that Herod had not seen the star, nor Herod was only going by the, the, the information that he, uh, was exchanged to him. He knew these kings were coming from the east. They were traveling a great deal, and I'll show you where they were traveling from. Um, so all of this information is coming to him. He's threatened. And he, said, and he said, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child when we have found him. Bring me word so that I may come and worship him also. And, you know, we, we know that he didn't want to worship him. It was a setup. It was go do the work, be my scout, be my spy, and, and tell me so I can go send people to kill him. Um, when they had heard that the king, uh, w- when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. I'm going to show you in a second how far they came and when they saw the star and it, it, it followed or led them, I'm going to say. But once they got close to the proximity, they're in Jerusalem. Bethlehem is probably five miles away. Um, and it stood over Bethlehem. It stood over potentially where the, exactly where the manger was. Um, when they saw the star, they rejoiced. So they see the star standing still. Uh, and when they would come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary and his mother. They fell down and they worshipped him. This is going to be so important, and I'll show you why. When they had opened their treasures, they presented to him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed to their own country in another way. So let me just say there were not three wise kings. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, People just, I I think, because of the three gifts that they speculated it was three kings. When they're traveling this far, and I'll show you in a map in a second here, which is basically Babylon, the area of Iran, Iraq, modern day today, so this was a long, months-on-months months journey, and you would not have taken that with three kings or three magi. Uh, there was probably at least 12 to 18 of them, um, because this was an arduous journey. Uh, there's no question about it. So now the 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 scene where they see this and they get this information is in uh, Babylon, again, modern-day Iran, Iraq. Um, that that Fertile Crescent of the world, and so I wanted to talk about is the Magi of that area, uh, what they believed. So these were not um, Jewish people; these were not Hebrews. Um, They were Magi, and they were highly regarded. So let me break down some things about what we know in this area. Uh, So I'm going to cut back to the video for a second. Uh, The the, the Greek word for magi is magos, and it links to sorcerers, to a king's royal court, the king's men, prophets, they read stars, they were astrologers, and they had a good, credible record. They had a proven record. Uh, The Hebrew word for that is rabmag, so it it pretty much means the same thing. So we're talking about um, people who were involved in the occult, hence the title of, of, of the message there. And so I I guess, you know, first and foremost, these are not people looking for Jesus in a sense of their faith. But because of that part of the world, they were very, very familiar with the scriptures of Daniel. Remember, Daniel taught in in multiple king's courts. He dealt with and encountered and, and really the Lord blessed him beyond, so he was able to interpret dreams that the king's court could not, the astrologers, the sorcerers, uh, the magicians, they could not do it. So this was all prevalent uh, activity of the day, uh, and this is Daniel, so this is probably six, 700, I forget, it's probably about 700 years beforehand, but nonetheless, Daniel had this immense track record, and his books were known in the area. So, Daniel comes with a high degree of credibility in terms of his uh, work, and that he served over the courts of different kings. remember, uh, um with the Babylonians and nebuchadnezzar and and then the medo-Persians. So um, they what I'm getting at is these magi were familiar with Daniel. They're familiar with the prophecies of Daniel. But nonetheless, in that area is what what was a um, an occult called, Zoroastrianism, which is a uh, monotheistic faith, it was established by the Persian prophet Zoroaster between 1500 and 1000 BC. It holds that there is one supreme deity, Ahura Mazda, which is the Lord of Wisdom, Creator and sustainer of all things. Encourages adherents to express their faith through the principle of good thoughts, good words, and good deeds. Sounds nice, right? The religion is also known as uh, Mazdaian, I'm, I'm sure I didn't do the justice to that trans to that enunciation, uh, and uh, Mazdaism. This belief developed from the polytheistic ancient Persian religion, which regarded Ahura Mazda as the greatest of the large pantheon of gods, and like the latter Zoro- Zoroastrianism saw life as a struggle between the forces of light and the goodness and those of uh darkness and evil so here you have these uh pagan religions in this area which is what daniel was familiar with when in in his time but now fast forward six seven hundred years um this is all still prevalent and you've got by their own admission um light and darkness but you've got all these different gods these different realms of gods which falls in line with what we know from, from the spiritual realm. Um, so you have Zoroaster, which means the god of light, or Ahura Mazda, then Araman, which is the Zoroaster god, meaning the lord of darkness. So um, that's where these magi came from. That's their background. And I wanted to emphasize that because of the revelations that they got recognizing Jesus, the royalty, the majesty of Jesus. And I'll, go, I'll come back to that in a second. But I guess, you know, one of the things that I would like to emphasize is the Lord used um, people who were delving in the occult. Um, you know, whether they knew that in, 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 ter- in terms of being uh, intentionally misleading, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. Uh, but nonetheless, that's, that's the background that they came. So, I want to go back to the fact that these were very familiar with Daniel's prophecies. So, what do I mean by that? So, I want to go back to Daniel chapter uh, uh, 10, uh, 12 through 14. Many of you, if not all of you, are familiar with this, but I think it's very important. It's Daniel praying for 21 days, trying to get an answer on Israel and the future of the world. And eventually, Gabriel comes and he says, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the day that you first set your mind to gain understanding, to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. So again, they're in the Persian kingdom. There's a prince of the air, there's spirits, there's principalities over governments, over nations. And and you've, you have this today. And um, but it took him 21 days then it said then michael one of the chief princes came to help me because i was detained there with the king of persia but now i have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come so there you have it so he's got you know he's, he he receives the dream he receives the interpretation for the future for what is to come. So again, these magi were familiar with Daniel. They knew that the the Lord was coming. They knew that the Messiah was coming and there eventually would be, and he goes into detail, of the tribulations. But that is the scene. And then they see this star and they begin to make their way east, being led. Again, knowing the the success of Daniel and remember how Nebuchadnezzar proclaimed the goodness of, of Daniel's God. Um, switch gears for a second to Ignatius. Ignatius was a student, uh, an early church father, uh, but a student and, and a, uh, good friend, disciple, if you will, of the apostle John. Um, he helped John immensely for many, many years. He saw, uh, he, he worked side by side with John and he wrote this, which this is not scriptural, but I, I, find it very, very interesting, um, and there's, there's no reason not to believe it, but again, it's not, it's not the Word of God. And he says this, how was our Savior manifested to the world? He said, when these Gentiles obeyed, he's talking about the Magi, a star shone in heaven beyond all the other stars. Hence, all the power of the magic became dissolved, and every bond of wickedness destroyed. Men's ignorance was taken away. So there you have it. Um, Sorry, I had a uh, an unexpected noise cut through there, um, but so but but there you have it. So he's saying he's giving you validity to the case of the star being there in the presence, um, but that it broke darkness, that that there was something that happened with the presence of this star. Uh, so I wanted to get a little bit further into this because now remember the Magi have come, and you know. We don't know whether they saw and they fell down and and they they received Jesus because they hadn't heard the message of the gospel, um, but their background is of of unbelief that they are not they are not Hebrews they are not familiar or they're not practicing the the uh, the, um, the scriptures the the laws of the Lord this is not their their forte if you will, so I wanted to just. Talk a little bit about demons for a second from Scripture and from some other accounts that we have, because here you have the example of the Magi's recognizing, following the star, seeing Jesus, coming, seeing the Messiah. Recognize him. Something in his, in our hearts, spoke to them. Something in their mind spoke to them that this is the Christ. This is the Messiah. They come with frankincense and myrrh and gold, and and they wor- fell down and they worshipped him. And then Yahweh, the Lord, speaks to them in a dream, and he tells them not to go back to Herod because he warns them. And eventually, jo- Joseph is given a dream to take Jesus to Egypt. So, my point is, the Lord is working through the Gentiles through the unbelievers and potentially even people involved in, in other false religions, honoring or worshiping false gods. He's, he's, he's moving them. So Acts 16, 16 through 19, this is Paul and Silas in prison. And once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had had a spirit, uh, who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Hmm. Just like, you know, they were, they were following, uh, Uh, I'm sorry, Um, you know, that they they were following after Daniel's. So she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept us up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit came out of her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. So here you have a demonic spirit is in this woman. She's predicting the future. Apparently she's a slave. She has owners who are making money on her credibility of predicting the future and whatever else she's doing. Uh, Paul just says, that's it. And he commands her in the name of Jesus. And the spirit has to obey. The spirit has to come to this or does come to this, uh, um, to the authority of Jesus because it has to, it recognizes the power and the majesty of Jesus as Lord, uh, and, and commander of, of heavens and the earth. So I'm going to show you two other things, again, not scriptural, but, um, interesting nonetheless. There is a Greek historian named Eusebius, and I'm going to talk to, you uh, about another one, um, Uh, Apollo talking to Lactanius, which is a Christian author. But they say some interesting things that kind of line up with with what I'm getting at. So I'm going to go back to the screen here. Um, About that time, it is said that Apollo spoke from a deep and gloomy cavern. Remember, this is the, the, the god Apollo. Throughout the medium of no human voice. And declared that the righteous men on earth were a bar to his speaking the truth well who were the righteous men they were the christians of the day because they had come to recognize jesus and was preaching the gospel so he and so he's saying they are righteous they are they are ordinances they are they're they're uh, men and women of god who are declaring the majesty of jesus and they are preventing him this spirit from doing what he wants to do and it goes on to say here, how do you want to be addressed? This is the response, O all wise, all learned, versed in many pursuits, hear, O demon. And, and so again, when at the entreaty of someone, he uttered an impreciation against the Smithian Apollo. He began with this verse, O harmony of the world, bearing light, all wise demon. When, and this is where I want to get to, what therefore remains, except I by his own confession, he is subject to the true God and to the everlasting punishment. So that's a huge statement there because, you know, he's acknowledging the fact that he's a fallen angel and that um, by his own confession, he has to speak the truth and that he knows his eternal punishment is coming, uh, but it is subject to, to Jesus. Jesus is on the scene and, uh, you know, I, I guess it's um even the demons have to speak the truth when you're talking about Jesus, even though Satan is the the author of, of, of lies and the author of deceit. But when confronted, if you believe this or not, I'm not telling you you don't have to, it's just I'm just reporting historical records. But if if you were to give this some credibility or some thought towards that, uh, it basically means that the demons have have to admit or concede, that Jesus is the Christ and that he has come and that they are subject to him. Um, and then it go, he goes on to say, the demons who go about the earth and about the sea without weariness are subdued beneath the scourge of God. So, you know, it, it, it's just, it's, it's further verification that the demonic world is subject to the authority of Jesus. And if you look at what Ignatius said, it basically... There was a break in the spirit realm once the presence of, of the star was over. Re- really, it's about the birth of Jesus. Um, but this was probably about two years later, and I'm going to show you why. This is not them coming to Jesus in the, in, as, a ma- as a baby in the waddling clothes like the shepherd saw him. It's probably a couple of years later because of the long journey we talked about. And I'm going to show you. So I'm going to go back to what we were looking at with Matthew. And I'm going to ask you to just think about these things. um, Because now, to me, there's a different different point of view. I'll say it that way. So um, I'm going to go down to verse 4. He had gathered all the chief priests and and scribes of the people together. He demanded of them uh, where Christ would be. And they tell him, Bethlehem. Now Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, captured them diligently, what time the star appeared, because he didn't see it. And he sends them to Bethlehem. And then here's the responses. Think about all of this now in the light of that these are not Hebrew um, followers of Jesus. When they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Again, you know, all of this way, all the months and months, of probably eight or nine months of travel, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary and mother. They fell down, and they worshipped him, and when they had opened their treasures, they presented the gold, uh, frankincense, and myrrh, and being warned of God in a dream that they should not return. Again, God's speaking to them. He's giving them dreams, and I'm going to go back to building up the faith potentially of, of Mary and Joseph. So if you look at this and say that the shepherds may have helped build their faith when they re- recalled the encounter with the angels, you know, this could be a probably, you know, a couple of years later, and then two, three years later, whatever, these kings from the east, they come, they bow, they see Jesus, they worship him, they fall down before him, they come with gifts. Picture Mary and Joseph who are these people that just come down and, and, and they worship him? So just, you know, food for thought. So that's where I say these, this is not the wise men, you know, uh, uh, of what we've been taught. I want to shift gears and and kind of bring this to a close in terms of what we know about the star of Bethlehem. Um, So let me, I'm going to talk about a couple of Christian scientists that you may be familiar with, Johannes Kepler and Copernicus. But it is Kepler, uh, uh, Copernicus. I'm sorry, who came with the 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 three laws that we you know adhere to today. Uh, The first law: each planet moves in an elliptical orbit uh, with its star, the sun, at one focus. Second law: is an orbiting object with the same amount of time to travel between points A and B as it takes to travel between points C and D. And I show you the graph here, laying this out. And then the square of the planet's orbital time is proportional to its average distance from the sun. So that may seem like a lot of mathematical mumbo jumbo to you, but those constants are adhered to today. This is you know discovered I'm going to say four or five hundred years ago, but this is what we base and this is what NASA bases in other countries. Uh, scientists in astronomy. This is how they uh, uh, understand the movement and the trajectory of the stars, the heavens. Um, asteroids, things that when they're shooting rockets into space and they're mapping these things out, they're taking all of these mathematical equations into account so that they know, you know, what is a good time, what is a good speed, you know, to to carry out the missions that they've laid before them. So there's a number of software programs. I did want to point out that there's a software program by Frederick Larson called the Starry Night, and he goes into great detail about the Star of Bethlehem. Um, some of it, uh, you know, it's, it's a theory, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll put it that way, but it's definitely worth to read and, and to watch. He's got a video out on it, too, um, Starry Night. But there's so many different astronomical software programs. But so one thing that we found with Kepler and, and Copernicus when they were trying to take these mathematical equations, these constants that they've, you know, that are factual, even today, So when they did that, uh, Kepler tried for the star, but he had a mistake of of the first century history. He believed Herod died in 4 BC, taking the writings from uh, Flavius Josephus, which is the Jewish historian. We later found out that all of the other manuscripts, historical manuscripts, had Herod dying in 1 BC. And the reason that, that's a couple of years because what, what Kepler was trying to do was go back in time and to see what it was like back then, but then if we look at it from 1 BC, which is what the majority of the historical records reveal, um, they, it, it's a difference of two or three years. Then I'm going to show you some things that line up historically. Actually, let me, let me jump to that right now. So here you see some um, astronomical constants. I'm going to refer to Leo because, you know, that's what we know from an astrology standpoint. But if you look to the right, uh, Venus and and Jupiter and Religus, which is the stars, they come into alignment. And remember that Jupiter is 11 times the diameter of, of, of the earth. And it's also referred to in Hebrew as the king's planet. So right at this time, these Constellations came together, which would have put off an enormous amount of bright light. And what this is doing is, if you look at it, this that it happened in the in the constellation of Leo the Lion, and I don't think by any mistake there. Um, uh, it, it, so this signifies birth, a kingship, and, and that the the Jews. remember, the Magi they were interested in all things Jewish. They weren't necessarily Jewish, but again, because of Daniel's writings and success. And it must rise in the east, most stars do. Um, Herod did not know what to do when it appeared. He had to ask. Uh, It did appear at an exact time. It endured over a considerable period of time. And it went ahead of them as they traveled from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. And the star stopped. That's immensely. So there you have, even if you want to take... Um, these mathematical equations and call it coincidence. Interestingly enough, and I just found this out, side note, there is no Hebrew word for coincidence. Uh, it, it's, it's basically, it's God-ordained is, is how they view it. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. I, I, I agree with that. But I wanted to point out what Genesis 49, 9 through 10 says, Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down. He lies down as a lion. And as a lion who shall rouse him, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. Remember, Jesus comes from the line of of, of the tribe of Judah. Uh, Nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. He is the king of kings. So I, I, I find it no coincidence that he's born... And you know, in in this royalty in in the the pronouncement of, of of the constellation in Leo and then Jupiter, which again is the sign of the savior, it's the it's the Messiah. And if you look at the Maseroth, it they, they will look at Jupiter as 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 the Messiah, as the sign or the planetary sign of the Messiah. So again, it's these this convergence of potentially of, of Jupiter and Venus and Religus, which is the stars. And at this point, right at around this time, we don't, we can't know the exact day, um, but that this alignment did happen, and, and we know that. When I say we can't know the exact day, we can't be sure of the exact day of Jesus' birth. It's not December twenty-fifth. So, what does this all mean? So, let me bring you to a a relatively easy conclusion. So, so this. In September of 3 BC, Jupiter came into conjunction with uh, Regulus, I, said, I pronounced it wrong before, the star of kingship, the brightest star in the constellations, Leo the Lion. Leo is the constellation of kings It is associated with the Lion of Judah. Just a month earlier, Jupiter and Venus had almost seemed to touch each other in another close conjunction in the east. Then the conjunction between Jupiter and Regulus was repeated in February and May of 2 BC. So this would give you the the affirmation of the long distance of time where they would have seen the star coming from the Babylonian area. Finally, on June 17th, 2 BC, Jupiter and Venus, the two brightest objects in the sky except for the moon, came so close that their disks appeared to touch. This exceptionally rare event could not have been missed by observers such as the wise men. So again, this just stands out that the wise men looking at these things familiar. Their, their job is to study these things. They would have seen this. It would have been obvious to them. The Bible does not mention how many wise men there were. We we you know we talked about this. Um, it is reasonable to suppose that the journey took months, however, since they had to cross several hundred miles of desert to reach Jerusalem. If they If they were in Jerusalem before dawn on December 25th, they would have seen Jupiter almost directly over Bethlehem to the south. They could have traveled the five miles to Bethlehem and presented their gifts that day. By then, Jesus would have been a child living with his parents in a house, not a baby in a manger. We talked about that. There is a reference not to the infant, uh, Briofus Greek, but to the toddler, indicating that the birth itself had had come some uh, months before. Remember, they presented him, they saw him as a child. That would mean Jesus was born in the spring or the summer which makes for a better setting for Luke's account because of the shepherds. In the winter in Judea, it was too cold for the sheep to graze in the open fields. They were commonly kept under the shelter during these months. There is no conflict with the traditional date of Jesus' birth because December 25th was an arbitrary choice. Early Christmas changed the date numerous times to avoid discovery by the Romans when persecutions of Christianity was at its height, When Christianity finally became the official religion of the Roman Empire, the festival of Christmas on December 25th, observing the birth of Jesus, replaced the pagan festival on that day, declaring the rebirth of the sun as the days began to get longer following the winter solstice. And in conclusion, designating Jupiter or the conjunction of Jupiter and Venus as the star of Bethlehem eliminates a number of problems but probably another is the last word on the subject. So little is known historically about the period when Jesus was born that new information such as astrological discoveries that precisely dates the death of Herod may well provide a more accurate picture of what happened. So, you know, I think we have so much information, we're making a reasonable deduction. We can't say this with all divinity. But by the, the evidence that we have, by the um, software that we've developed, the, the, the laws that have been proven out, the constants that, that have been proven out, it is very reasonable to understand that these magi would have come from the east, would have traveled for miles, would have come to re- recognize Jesus, seen him as a child, bowed down, worshipped him. Yahweh spoke to him in a dream. The heavens declare uh, the, that the, these stars and the the uh, planets were in alignment, it, it more than likely had, it's reasonable deduction to believe that that happened that way. So a little bit of a different presentation on the Christmas story. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it, but the bottom line is this. I'm going to cut to my last slide here. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. So that's the, that's the bottom line. Jesus is Lord. He's here. He was born. He was uh, He lived out his life as the perfect man. He was sinless, crucified, died, and was buried, and rose again on the third day in fulfillment of the Scriptures. He is Lord over all creation. He is Lord over the earth. He is Lord over everyone. Uh, It is what we, we do with it, our choice, our decision. If you do not know the Lord Jesus in your heart today, I ask you to examine the evidence. If you feel that's necessary or if any of this spoke to you, just confess your sins. We all know that we all fall short of the glory. Every human being does. And, and he's knocking at your heart. You know, it, the Lord says, I knock at the, at the door of your heart, but will you let me in? So that's ultimately your choice. But I wanted to just take this time again to wish everyone a merry, merry Christmas, a, a happy Hanukkah to my Jewish friends, a blessed new year, 2023. Um, I'm asking you to come back for one last presentation for 2022, where I'm going to look back at the course of this year. I'm going to pick things apart where I, I can look specifically at, at some warnings and some patterns that have developed, uh, pointing to the, uh, uh, the the reality that Jesus is coming. He's coming back soon. Um, so you know how will he find his church is 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 really what you know this is all about. So again, I just want to say thank you, thank you for listening. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, I'm all ears. Just email uh, russicoutlook at gmail prayer requests. If you've come to know the Lord, I would love to hear about it, and uh, or if you have any questions about what just happened, or if you're looking for a church, I'll do my best to find one in whatever area you live in. Uh, I just want to thank you again. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, blessed future moving forward, uh, and, 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 and that's it. And so my name is Mark. You've been watching and listening to the Russick Outlook, and remember, as always, just my opinion.